You're listening to the QPEM Podcast. To listen to our previous Sunday worship services, please visit our website at www.qpem.org. That's qpem.org. This week's message was given by Pastor Peter Kim. How was your work week? How was this past week for you uh, back at work, whether some of you going now back physically in your offices, hopefully the transition back there is smooth. How's you students back at school now, full, uh, you know, just back in the flow of your midterms and, and papers. And I know our children are back this past week. Um, our children went back. I mean, the whole context of work has changed, no doubt, in this COVID season. The context of how we're working, how we're understanding work, even school has completely changed. Caleb and Luke began this thing called blended remote learning uh, this past Wednesday. And so I had to be home as a parent to set up their computers and and now they're gonna be doing this hybrid where they have some of this teaching remotely on a computer and then obviously a a few days a a month in person. You know, maybe for the older students, uh, that might work. I got, you know, Luke's five years old and he he has no idea what's going on. So, So here I am sitting now, Luke, at one computer in his bedroom. I got Caleb in my bedroom here. I logged them both into Zoom and, and Google Classmeet. And, and so I first logged Luke in here and then get him situated. And then I rush over to Caleb's account and, and rush him in. And I'm spending a little more time with Caleb. He's third grade. It's a little more important, I'm thinking. So I'm there. And then I want to go check on Luke after about 15 minutes and see how he's doing. I go back to his room, literally black screen, no video, nothing's going on. Luke, what's doing? What are you doing, man? What's going on? How come you're not logging in? It's like, and then I see, you know, he didn't turn his video on. Obviously, I forgot to turn the video on for Zoom. And then I see the name that he's logged in under. And the teacher's like, excuse me, who, who is this, uh, you know, Pastor Peter Kim here, you know, on Zoom? I'm like, oh my goodness, I forgot to change his name to Luke. And so he didn't get, you know, his attendance record. I'm like, big mess, big mess. I quickly log off, sign back in. And I honestly don't know how our kids are going to be doing this classwork for this, at least uh, hopefully not more than a few more months. Kathy shared as well, <laughs> for teachers, it's a big mess. Uh, this you know hybrid group, remote learning group, some of them doing both short on teachers. It is a nightmare. I know one of the third grade teachers for Caleb School, um, they, had, they, they were out of teachers. So they had to get whoever was licensed and they got the gym teacher. Okay? The, one of the gym teachers for the past five years is gonna be the third grade teacher. And as parents are like, what is going on, right? Nothing against gym teachers, but just you know, as a parent, like what's going on here, right? There's challenges we're facing now, even more so. Before we've had challenges, let alone at work and school. Now what was challenging before has become even more frustrating even more burdensome, perhaps it even feels like a true curse, right? Well, we learned last week, this is the effect of the fall, right? This is the result of what has happened since the fall of mankind. Something happened, right, that changed how we work, how we view and understand work. Something happened to something that was meant to be so fulfilling, so beautiful, it's now turned into something so frustrating, even a curse. We know that is our sin, our disobedience to God, you know, the freedom, right? Remember the freedom that God gave you and I to you know, really enjoy him and his creation. We chose not to follow that freedom, to follow God and to trust in him. We chose, in fact, to trust the lying serpent. In essence, we decided to trust in ourselves. And because of that, the fall, 
everything as we know it changed, right? And including this one's beautiful aspect of this thing called work that was originally designed and intended for us. You know, we're in this series of work now, and we're realizing work here, as we know it, has become hard. It's filled with trouble. Even in the, the context of our relationships at work, it's become much more burdensome. You know, we're fighting you know, for control. We have annoying coworkers, overbearing bosses. There's now thorns and thistles, as the Bible says, in our work. For many of us, our work may feel now meaningless. We feel this exhaustion, anxiety, worry, pain, conflict, even boredom. And this is all the impact of the curse we learned last week that God placed on the ground, right, to our work. It's not only brought this frustration into our working lives, now this has impacted even the very motive and reason why we work, okay? It's not just brought, you know, oh, just headaches and, and just, just, just struggles. It's not changed the very essence of why we are working. Today, I want us to look at that, okay? Whether, whatever context you're in, in a career or at school, let me ask you, why do you work? What is your primary motivation to work? Think about it for a second. What, in essence, are you working for? Jesus wants us to look at the very heart of this question today. And he wants us to see, do we have the right motive? If not, he wants us to correct that and bring us to a place of this right motive we ought to have as those he has called his own redeemed by his grace. Uh, I want us to look at this, uh, the motives for why we work today, and we see that again in the passage that Pina read in Luke chapter 12. Look with me again. Here, in the Gospel of Luke chapter 12, the context, here's the occasion for this teaching. We see this family squabble, okay? A family squabble between two brothers in verse 13. Someone in this crowd yells to Jesus, says, teacher, here, tell my brother to divide this inheritance with me, you know? Jesus, here, you're a teacher, aren't you? People listen to you, they respect you. Tell my brother, would you, to share, give me my share of inheritance. I want my share, sounds, you know, like the parable of the prodigal son or these other parables we've, we've, we've heard before. Give me my share, but brother's demanding Jesus to be an arbiter. Well, in his mind, it's not to just arbitrate this matter. Jesus, you know, he wants Jesus to be his advocate. Just, just do what I want for in this situation. Give me what is rightfully mine. And look at how Jesus responds in verse 14. It's brilliant. Jesus always is brilliant, right? He has a way to bring our focus, the attention, to really what's important. And he says to this brother, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you, right? Jesus is like, yeah, I'm not going to be drawn into you know, choosing sides here and, and, and playing you know, arbitrator. No. I'm going to get at something that is at the heart. Something that's important here. It's a heart issue. There's a bigger issue here than just who gets a bigger share of your dad's inheritance. The real issue is not that. I'm challenging you and all that are listening to look at something that's of outright importance in everyone's life. And look what Jesus says. Verse 15, he says to them, the crowds, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. 
For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Take care, and the NIV says, watch out. Be on guard. Watch out against what? All kinds of covetousness. In essence, all kinds of greed. Greed. Jesus is challenging the questioner and also everyone listening about greed, covetousness. How does Jesus define greed here? Well, look with me again in verse 15. Guard against this greed. What is that? For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. An abundance of possession. Think about that for a second. What is that? You know, why do we work in essence? You know, why are we working, slaving away perhaps for of us, you know, hours, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week? What is it all for? If you think about it, the work, it all accumulates, right, into this abundance of possessions that we have, right, in life. Right? We work to accumulate, to buy things and to accumulate you know, for you know, our children, our family, our future. Jesus is saying, hold on a second, be on guard about this. Watch out. So we've got to ask ourselves, first off, why is Jesus telling us to be on guard about abundance? What's wrong with abundance? Is there something sinful about an abundance here that Jesus is referring? Secondly, what's the danger perhaps Jesus is alluding to? of working for such an abundance in one's life. Let's address that. And to explain and, and teach this very important principle, Jesus tells it in a parable. Remember what a parable is? If you go through the Gospels, Jesus does a lot of his teaching through these things called parables. These parables are these short stories, in essence. It helps you and I, the listener, understand things, concepts that are very hard initially to grasp. And he does this with a, like a story, a, a story, an allegory that you and I can relate to, that we can connect. And through the story, it reveals this hidden truth and it always leaves the listener to make a decision at the end of a parable. Listen to this parable now and the decision that Jesus is calling all listeners to make here. Verse 16 to 18, Jesus says, here, let me tell you this story. The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store all my crops. And he said, okay, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. Brilliant. We see this rich man. And in this year, the grounds have produced plentifully. The yield is large. It is a great year. Sometimes the grounds don't produce, right? Back in that culture, the agrarian society they live in, sometimes it wasn't a good, fruitful harvest. That year it was. Great harvest. So now, what to do? Where can I store this abundance? It's a good problem to have, right? So this man, if you look at it, he's... You can say it's got good foresight, right? To think ahead. This is what I'm going to do, you know? It's going to take a lot of work, but the current barns that I have is not going to be big enough. So let me tear it all down, okay? Tear it all down, and I'm going to build up bigger ones, larger ones, much capacity. I'm going to store all my grain and goods. It sounds like a good plan, a wise plan. What's wrong with abundance? And working for that, right? Some of us, we just listen to this parable. We may think, you know, is Jesus, again, saying there's something wrong or sinful to have this abundance? If you want to say wealth, you know, surely saving up for the future, what's wrong with that, you know? 
Is Jesus condemning wealth here, abundance? If you look at the Bible, you read scriptures all throughout. Men and women of God, if you look at the history, right? We have many, you know, devoted, you know, faithful people of God. They, were, they had tremendous abundance. If you think about Abraham, remember Abraham? He had an incredible amount of wealth and abundance to the point where when he had to move, he had to take a caravan, right? With animals and all the flock and all the people, right? Think about King David. You think about Job. At the end of Job's life, what happened? Oh, tremendous abundance. It's not necessarily the sense that, you know, abundance is wrong or sinful. No, by any means, right? It's not the abundance that this man has accumulated that Jesus is warning of, okay? Some people, again, confuse that. We think, oh, just being rich is sinful. No, the Bible doesn't say that, right? The issue is not the abundance. The issue is something very different. It is his attitude towards his abundance. Now, that's the difference here, right? What is Jesus warning of here, church? It's this man's attitude towards Abundance and the work that it's going to take to accumulate all and store that, right? It's what he's planning to do with that abundance. This is kind of where the issue is, Jesus is getting at. Look with me. In verse 18, look at what this man now is planning to do. He's going to tear down everything, store it up. And in verse 19, look what he says. I will say to my soul, soul, you have plenty Ample goods now laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. Sound familiar? A few weeks ago, remember? The different uh, philosophies of this world. Sounds very Epicurean to me, right? Eat, drink, be merry for what? Tomorrow we die, right? There's a lot of people in this world that live according to that uh, ideology here. You know, he says, I have plenty of good things now, plenty of goods stored up, laid up. I'm going to save it now here, and I'm just going to relax. Eat, drink, be merry. I'm going to work hard now while I still can, maybe while we're still young, um, you know, where we have the energy and, you know, the means to do so, and then we're going to work hard. Why? What's the point? Ultimately, the goal is so that I can rest. Enjoy things, if you want to say, in retirement, right? I mean, there's a lot of people now, especially the, the younger generation, there's this mo- you know, like movement to like retire early now, right? And before, it's just kind of standard that we work, you know, whatever, 40, 50 years, we retire at 65, and then, you know, we just enjoy that, you know, retirement stage. Now it's like, hey, I want to retire by 40, right? I want to retire early. Why? I want to just enjoy my life, right? As if, you know, my work is not part of that enjoyment. I want to just, just work hard, pay my dues, and then just enjoy life. That's what this man is trying to do, right? And he's planning for his retirement. And again, on the outside, what's wrong with that? Isn't he being prudent, church? Shouldn't we save? Of course we ought to. But again, what is this for? What is it allowing us, you know? We think that, you know, this abundance, right, will allow us to be rich. And when we're rich, what will that richness give us? It gives us then, we think, freedom, right? I'm going to have this freedom to not be tied to my job. I'm going to be able to do whatever I want. I'll be traveling the world, do whatever I please. I can find this happiness and satisfaction in retirement, you know? We work hard. 
In essence, why? In order to find rest. How ironic is that? Think about it. We're working so hard now to find a rest from our work, perhaps even earlier right, than other people. You know, that's kind of this mindset we, the world has. You know. Think about even today. We're working hard so much. Why? Even Forget the retirement. Forget the down 20, 30, 40 years. Even now, think about it. You know, we're working so hard for what? To save up for what? To get a bigger house. Why? We think this house then is going to give us rest. Right? A bigger house you know, better place. It's going to give my soul rest, you know. We work hard, what? Save up for retirement. Why? It's going to make us happy, right? Fulfilled. Perhaps it may for a short while. But who's it all for, right? What's it all for? And here now, Jesus is going to get to the heart. Okay? Look with me again in verse 17 to 19. When you first heard this parable, did you see something that's repeated <laughs> over and over? In just these three verses, something that is repeated more than 10 times. Look with me again. Count with me. Right? Personal pronouns that you see in verses 17 to 18. This man, he thinks to himself, this rich man. What shall I do? For I I have nowhere to store my crops. I will do this. I will tear down my barns. And there I will store my grain. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample laid up many years. Eat, drink, be merry. I counted at least six or seven I's, four my's. A lot of personal pronouns, don't you see? What is this man working so hard for? Who is he working for? In essence, it's so obvious. It's clear. This man is working hard, not for anyone else. Surely not for God. He is working entirely for himself. Right? He's only thinking about one person. All his work, hard work, savings, retirement. Who is it for? It's for himself. It's the reason why he's working so hard. To store up these riches. And he talks about what he's going to do with these crops, grains, and goods as if almost he owns it all himself, right? He's looking at a life of comfort. Take it easy. I'm going to ease back, withdraw from the hardships of this world, the work, you know, the frustrations, the toils. I'll eat, drink, and be merry. He's not planning it all, in essence, at all, right? If you look at it, to sh you know, share this great abundance with anyone else, surely. Definitely not, clearly, to use it for God, right, in his glory. It's for himself. And here Jesus is exposing the heart of this man. Right? The heart of the issue, again, as Jesus calls it, it is greed. Covetousness. Right? Selfishness. And that has unfortunately become the motive and the reason for why so many of us work today. The effect of the fall, the effect of sin now, it's changed not just how and why we work or the view of work and the frustration, it's changed the very reason why we work today. It's now all about us. Right? It's all about me. And Jesus is showing now the end result of such a person who works and lives solely for that very purpose himself in verse 20. 
But God says to him, look with me here. This rich man, God says to him, fool! Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? God is calling this man a very harsh, you know, word. Fool. Everything that you've worked hard for, all the things you've done to accumulate a lifetime of possessions, an abundance of possessions, riches for yourself, whose will they be now? See, Jesus is saying, you can work hard all your life thinking, you know what? All the toils is going to you know, lead up and accumulate to save up, to build your wealth. You're going to use it for yourself. Everything you've strived for, you know, for that retirement when you can be free from work. Well, guess what? One night it's going to be taken all from you. And everything you've built up, it will be gone forever. What's going to happen to all that? Abundance. Who's this? going to be the actual ones that get to enjoy all your hard work and labor. God says, it's not going to be you. It's not you. You're not going to be the one to enjoy it. No, actually other people, others who didn't actually work for it, they're going to be the ones that reap your you know, hard work and efforts. They're going to be the ones that enjoy. You, you can't take any of this with you. Because when that time comes, and, and you know, one day, all that, that, that moment where God calls us back, you know, it's going to happen eventually, whether it's, you know, who, who knows how long, right? 10, 20, 30, 50 years, or maybe tonight. Who, that's God's decision, right? Not ours, right? When that happens, everything that we have here on earth and that we've, we've worked so hard for, we are not going to be able to take with us, right? Think about that. We, 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 we remember passages like Jesus says in Matthew 6. He says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why? Because that's where moth and rust destroy, thieves break in and steal, right? It's, it's not going to be eternal. But here, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You know, see, that's where, you know, moth and rust do not destroy. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, right? You see, these treasures on earth, all the uh, abundance, we say, to enjoy. When we die, it is going to be lost forever. Do we understand that? Right? And the one thing that we can surely will take with us, Jesus says, is your soul. And all the treasures in heaven, they will last forever. But look at this man, this rich, and the world may say, a very wise and prudent man, right? A man of great foresight. Guess what? For this man, all of his treasures are where? They're on earth, aren't they? And so, for him, when his night is called, there are nothing, there's no treasures that he stored up for himself in heaven. There's nothing that he comes and goes with for eternity. Jesus is saying something very, very poignant today, church. This attitude that we may have toward work, again, it's maybe something that's just, you know, that's just what the world says. It's just something that's so ingrained in us. 
Work hard, enjoy yourself, you know, save, be abundant, you know, save your possessions for your family, your children, for your, you know, enjoyment, these treasures on earth. Jesus is saying this way of life, this attitude towards work, it leads to nothing. It ends in one destiny. It is death, he says. It ends in death. And that's why God says, you fool. It's not wise. It is foolish. That word fool again is, again, very important. In the Bible, this word fool used handful of times. It's used to describe someone. Look with me in verse, uh, Psalm chapter 14, verse 1. The psalmist writes of David, he's, you know, David had a lot of abundance, right? He says, look, he says, a fool says in his heart, there's no God, right? That's how the Bible defines what a fool is. Someone who's foolish, someone who says there is no God. Someone who does, who does not know God. Someone who does not have a, a relationship with the living God, right? Someone who acts without God or acts without wisdom in a self-destructive way, that person, God says, is a fool. Without a relationship with God, we know that that path only leads to one destination. That leads to death. And you take nothing there with you in that place. And we think, if we understand that, I think all of us can agree. Yes, that is foolish, right? Yes, that is very foolish. Jesus concludes in verse 21. Look with me. It says, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This is how it's going to be for anyone who stores up things just for themselves. It's not rich towards God. That person is a fool. You know, you know that, that term that phrase, rich toward God, there is such richness there, right? If you think, what does that mean? Not to be rich towards yourself, right? To be rich towards, you know, just you, know, you and, and your loved ones, but to be rich towards God. That's the path that Christ is calling us to. What does that mean, you know? I, I've been reading you know, a lot of different commentaries to try to understand, you know, what does this really, uh, in essence, what's it getting at? This one commentator, uh, Dr. Bach, he says, Perhaps it means to respond to life and blessings, right? In a way that God desires, in a way that will honor him. Surely through service and compassion, in a way in our life, in our work, that will honor and glorify God, right? Responding to, again, all the blessings, all the wonderful things that he's bestowed upon us, right? And doing so in a way that he desires, I thought about this even, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I'm a pastor even, you know. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm what, 40, you know, 44, maybe 20 years left in full-time ministry. After that, you know, what am I going to do in retirement? You know, Kathy and I, you know, we, we you know, thought about it, just talk about that. You know, love to travel. Want to just go and travel the world and, and see, you know, God's beautiful creation. And I thought about this. I was like, hey, you know what? I'm a pastor, so hey, let's get the right motive, right, Kathy? Let's, why don't we consider like going traveling when we're you know, older or maybe early retirement, and we can go to places like we've, I've been on missions. I can go to Kenya again. I can go to you know, India again. I can go to you know, these, these remote places 
where people don't know, and, they, and I can lead like a, a seminar again, right? A, a, a gospel training to, to the missionaries there. And then afterwards, after that seminar, we can go to the Serengeti, right? <laughs> we can go to the, the safari and watch these, you know, just animals. And, and, and I, I'm thinking that, I'm like, wow, that sounds wonderful. I can't wait to do that. And I'm, I'm looking at my motive in my retirement. Is it to honor and glorify God? To expand his kingdom work continually? To go to these places where the gospel has not been reached and to really share the good news? To build up, equip leaders and missionaries? Is that my primary motive in my retirement? Or do I, do I just want to see some wildebeest being eaten by lions, you know? <laughs> I had to search my heart. I'm like, wait, hold on a second. You know, what's my motive here? Why do I want to, you know, early retirement and travel the world? A lot of us have good motives. We mean well. But today, God is asking us, is your richness towards God or is your richness towards yourself? Right? It's either one or the other. Your richness that you live for, that you're working so hard for today, who is it for? Who is it for? Even our retirements, I thought about, must be thought as a way of serving God, right? Moving on to perhaps an activity of work, whether you're, you're, you know, you're done with you know, your, your career, whatever else it is, that continues to contribute to the expansion of God's kingdom. Is it not? We remember God's commands, the work that he assigned Adam and Eve in Genesis. Be fruitful, multiply, go, flourish, expand the creation, right? Have dominion over it, subdue it. Show the world my glory as image bearers that I've called you to be, right? Will you go and serve others to share, right? You know, I look at these other passages about work and what the purpose and intent of who it should be for. Even Ephesians 4, 28, it's, it's pretty astounding. It's very clear. It says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, work, doing this honest work with his own hands. Why? For what purpose? So that he may have something to share with anyone in need. God's intention of our work, how he originally designed it. Yes, it has been impacted by the fall and the curse. Today, Jesus reminds us what you were created for, the work that he created you to, to do, right? And if we remember Jesus' work, how it contrasts this man in the parable, this rich man in the parable who lived and stored up everything for himself. Look with me in Philippians 2 of what Jesus did in his work, a familiar passage we know. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, through, who though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he made himself nothing taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself to become obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, church. 
We think about Jesus' work, right? I shared about you know, his priestly prayer, how Jesus prays, I have accomplished all the work that you've given me to give you glory. Here, the work, of course, we know on the cross. That Christ was sent for a purpose. His life was sent for one real purpose. It was to die. Can you imagine your life purpose, your life work, what was it for? To die. Why did he do so? For your life and mine, we know. That Christ, the one who is God, almighty, all glorious, all powerful, he didn't seek after his glory, but his work was not for his own glory. It was for the Father's glory. His work in obedience to the cross and by laying down his glory, making himself nothing, we have everything, church. Let that sink in just one more second. By Christ making himself nothing, he has given us abundance, church. Praise God. The world applauds riches and glory in a different way. Abundance of possessions, riches. Jesus says all of that is fleeting. It's temporary, it's temporal. What I'm offering you is eternal, forever. I'm offering you way back to the Father, to our creator, to the one who created us for his glory. And through Christ, he restores and makes right the very purpose to which we were created and why we were designed to work. Through through faith in Christ now, church, through a faith in Jesus today, now our purpose of work is restored. Now we're able to have a different perspective, a motive, tomorrow when you go to work. Maybe I am not working for an abundance for myself tomorrow. No, I am actually working because God designed me for this purpose, for his glory, for his honor, to expand his creation. That one day when God does return and Jesus will return, that all things will be restored to how he intended to be. That one day where all the things that we do even, all our work is not just gonna be for naught even, it's not just going you know, to be for, for you know, pointless work that you're, you're going right now. No, your work will not be destroyed or wasted. Your work even today, tomorrow, this week, will be incorporated into God's final kingdom, church. Do you believe? Do you believe? It is meaningful. It is purposeful. And it will last forever, God says. Praise God. A new attitude Christ is calling us to to have, especially in the context here, towards your work and your life. You know? Now I wanna close just by connecting this real passage together, maybe in a way that we ha- we, we've missed before. And we, we got this parable of the rich man here, we got that now. But up to this point, Jesus is speaking to the crowds, right? To the, you know, the, the brother, this arbiter, and then the crowds that are listening. He's giving them a warning, okay? <laughs> Don't be a fool. And now he shifts. You notice? To a different audience. In verse 22 to 23. In this next section here, Jesus is saying to those people who know him, who have a relationship with him, he says to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you eat, nor about your body, what you put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. How many times have we heard that? How many times have we memorized that verse, right? Oh, don't be anxious about your life. Sure, okay. You know, God, yeah, you're in control. I get. There's a connection here between the parable that we just learned 
and this comfort and encouragement that God gives us today. The one who lays up treasures for himself is not rich towards God. In verse 22, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, church. You know better. You know me. We have a relationship. The pagans, the, the, the people that do not know, they cannot help themselves. They worry, they, they have anxiety. Their work is frustrating and meaningless. Yes, you know me. I know you. Don't be anxious. Don't worry, you see. So will you trust me, he says. Will you trust God with your needs? Your heavenly father knows, he says, what they are. Surely, look at the evidence in creation. Look, he feeds the the birds, he clothes the lilies. How will he not much more clothe you? (laughs) Seek his kingdom. These things will be added unto you. God will supply your needs. Do you believe it? Fear not, verse 32. It's the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. His grace is lavish. He wants to give it to you. Will you receive it? Verse 33 to 34, sell all your possessions. Give it to the needy. Verse 34, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And there's a teaching today. And there's a question Jesus asks at the very end. Where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? Is it either of two places? Is it on earth or is it in heaven? Where are we storing up our treasures? If you take a little bank count right now, in your mind, just try to think of something. You, know, you have two banks, two places you place your treasure. Where is that right now, right now today in your life? Where's the bank of the earthly treasures that you've accumulated? Where's the bank of heavenly treasures as well? How does that look in your life? Remember, this earthly treasures, it's gone when you die. This heavenly treasure lasts forever. Where is our treasure? Where's your treasure? What are you working towards? What are you working for? Why are you working today, church? Brothers and sisters, today God is calling our attention to our attitude towards our work. Not, it's not saying abundance is you know, sinful not. He's saying, what is your attitude towards your abundance? For the reasons why you work. If you do not know God, if you're making decisions and working without God in the picture, God says, you're acting like a fool. But Jesus says to those who know him, you know me, so don't act like a fool. <laughs> right? Stop living like a fool. See, when you think that all that in this world that all that matters is what's here in this bank, their earthly treasure. And when we leave God out of this picture of our working lives, God's verdict to us today is, you fool. But he says to those redeemed, you're different. You're different. Your work now is different. So be rich towards God, church. Show your richness towards God, not towards just yourself, towards God. That will be for all eternity. Church, as I invite the worship team up, you know, I want us to remember, you and I, we were designed, we were created to work, right? We were created to bear his image to this world, to expand his kingdom. The fall, yes, 
it's impacted all of this. It's changed the reason why we work, who we work for today, church. As an encouragement, I hope you can leave with the remembrance, the work that you were created to do, that God created you for the richness of God, not himself, not yourself. The people that don't know God, they don't know any better. You know God, church. You've been blessed by him. You've been redeemed by his blood. Live as such. Work for such. And may the gospel continue to shape us in a distinctive way. That when you are at work tomorrow, may the world see a distinctiveness that is strikingly different than everything else in this world. May they see your motive and approach to work, life, and abundance. May it be not for yourself, but may it be for an abundance of riches that will be for God and his glory. Let me live for the richness of God, for his glory, not ours. Let's pray, church. Thanks for listening to the QPEM podcast. For more information on our church, please visit our website at www.qpem.org. That's Q-P-E-M dot org.